This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Well, it is one of the biggest days of the year for us at ESPN as we honor one of our best teammates ever and perhaps the greatest moment in the history of the most powerful four letters in sports. Welcome to this special SB Day edition, Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, ESPN app. I'm Aaron Goldhammer. She is Michelle Smallman, and we are in for the guys. Michelle, every day uh, I have like a goal, a mantra on the air for what we try to do. And it's we try to make people laugh, we try to make people cry, and we try to make people think. And if we accomplish all three of those, it's a full show. And that comes from Jimmy V's speech. It is so iconic. And I got to say first, I mean, wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, if the speech is on, I'm stopping, I'm immediately listening, and I'm immediately getting emotional about the mission of our company and the mission of the V Foundation. Absolutely. It's one of the most iconic speeches ever, not only because of the power of his words, but because it impacts all of us. I don't know anyone, Aaron, that has not been affected by cancer in their lives. So when you hear that speech, it resonates with you on such a cellular level because you equate it to your own experience and maybe what you've gone through yourself or what a family member or a loved one has gone through. And that's why today is such a special day at ESPN because we get to talk about it. We get to we get to listen to the speech, be inspired, and also encourage people to donate and ho- helpful, hopefully get the funds needed to one day eradicate this awful disease. You know, I think sometimes people are like, oh, if I donate to the V Foundation, am I ever going to get a sense of what my money goes to? It just kind of disappears. Like, we're going to share some examples over the course of the show today that this money goes to change people's lives and has helped make progress to extend lives and save lives and ultimately to, you know, accomplish Jimmy V's goal. I would love to shut down the V Foundation one day, Michelle, because that would mean (laughs) that we've cured cancer. You know, if we cure cancer, then we don't have to sit around raising money you know, for this foundation and playing the speech anymore. So if you can help, and I want to say too, like, I know not everybody out there can throw down thousands of dollars or in the past there have been like these auction packages and people, you know, that have tons of money can, can pitch in and help. No, today is as much about the person that can donate five bucks as it is the person that can donate 5,000. Again, the website, and we'll give this out. Of course, it's on all the social media and everything. It's everywhere you look with ESPN all day long. It is v.org slash donate. 100% of your donations go directly. Game-changing cancer research. If you're able, please give. Go to v.org slash donate now. That's v.org slash donate. What you say, Michelle, is so true. Cancer is around enough. It's it's everywhere enough that everybody has a friend or a family member that's been affected. I mean, just to like I, I can't find a person that hasn't had their life in some way touched and affected by this terrible disease. And you, you mentioned, Aaron, that 100 percent of the donations to the V Foundation go to cancer research, which I think is so important because a lot of us want to donate. We want to find a way to contribute to fighting this disease together because it does affect all of us. And knowing that if you give your money to this cause, every cent is going directly towards the people that are researching so hard, working so hard every day to find a cure, I think is huge. But Cancer affects all of us in in different ways, whether we've lost a family member, and I have. I don't know if you have. I've lost family members to cancer. I've lost friends to cancer. 
And I'm in my 30s, Aaron, and now I'm seeing a lot of my peers being diagnosed with cancer. And a lot of them yeah. are in their fights of their own. And, you know, it's just one of those things that as as life continues and you see this this awful disease just being so prevalent in everyone's uh-huh. lives, part, part of sports is galvanizing. It's bringing people together. And if we could bring yeah. everybody together and everybody could just do their little part to contribute to fund research to hopefully find a cure, that's a, that's a really yeah. powerful thing. I want to shout out the memory of a close friend of mine named Matt Lodi. Matt was the person when I first came to Cleveland who had been covering games here forever and showed me around in every press box, in every locker room. And Michelle, I'm sure, you know, maybe because you're a woman, you felt this even more than me. Like you're in someone else's house when Mm -hmm. you're in a locker room and it's not yours and you're a reporter. And it can be scary and intimidating and nerve wracking. And Matt was the first person really ever to take me in there in Cleveland and sort of show me where to go and how to carry yourself and when to get out of there and a lot of conversations about the right and wrong question to ask. Uh, Matt was diagnosed with cancer a number of years ago, and I think he embodied what Stuart Scott said in his SB speech a tremendous amount, which is that you beat cancer not by eradicating the disease. It's how you live when you have it. And I think he appreciated his life the most when he had it and he embraced his passions the most you know he he would be suffering from and and would still find a way to trudge down to cover whether it was an all-star game or an indians guardians game or a Cavs game uh unfortunately we last we lost matt uh to the disease a couple years ago but i'll always remember the the valiance with which he fought you know is what struck me the most Uh, and what will always stay with me. Again, anything you can do to donate and help support the cause today, you know, even if it's just a dollar or two or five, that'll make a difference for us. Uh, It is v.org slash donate. 100% of the donations go directly. Game-changing cancer research, v.org slash donate. What's amazing about the legacy of the Valvano speech, Michelle, 30 years today, and actually... You know, all across ESPN platforms, we're celebrating the 30th anniversary, and everybody should start their ESPYs night with this special SC featured that we've been talking about all day, 7 o'clock Eastern time on ESPN, which gives a lot of details and background about the speech, Michelle, that I'm excited to learn about because I didn't know how close Jim Valvano was to not even being able to show up at the ESPYs that night to be able to give the famous speech. I didn't know that either, Aaron, and I'm so looking forward to seeing the history of this speech. It's hard to believe it's been 30 years because the message is more prevalent than ever. It's it's one of those things that's timeless, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> um, right. You know, you wish that it wasn't timeless, and that's what we're hoping to do today is to continue to raise funds to hopefully eradicate this this disease and cancer. But I, I want to know the intricacies and everything that led up to that moment because everyone has a message that they want to get out there, but to be able to get up there in front of everyone on that stage and so articulate, articulately and impactfully express what you want to say is really remarkable. Why do you think the speech has such incredible lasting power? I mean, I, I, we were laughing about this. I mean, it's like Woodrow Wilson's 14 points of light, the Gettysburg address, Lou Gehrig saying that he was the luckiest man in the and Jim Falvano's speech, if you make a list of the twenty most impactful American speeches ever, I, I think it's on it. I, I as crazy as that yeah. sounds, 
I think at least to me, what really resonates with me, I think this speech has to be in the mix. The greatest speeches that have ever been given in human history. I'm with you. It's on the list. And I think it's because, A, as I mentioned, we're all touched by cancer, so we personalize it. But B, it's that message of resilience. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. We all are affected with adversity in our lives. And for people that are going through cancer or if you have a family member that's going through cancer, that's the message. It's so simple, Aaron, but it's so poignant and it's so it's so relatable. You just every day have to get up, put one foot in front of the other and continue to fight this disease. And the the way he said it, the delivery, the message, it's just it's perfect. And it's it's so special. And I can't believe it's been 30 years and that we're still talking years. about how how relevant it is today. I was watching ESPN the night the speech was delivered, Michelle. And I remember that it was right after my parents first got cable. Oh, wow. And so I was able to watch on ESPN because they finally plopped down whatever the whatever the fee was, you know, to be able to unleash us and let me be able to watch more sports so that I would have access to ESPN. So I remember where I was when the speech was given. And when I hear that it's been 30 years, all that means is just to me that I'm getting really old. V.org <laughs> slash donate now is where you go. That's V.org slash donate. V.org slash donate to contribute now. We'll be talking more and playing some of the great Moments of Jim Valvano's speech and Stuart Scott and Craig Sager and Robin Roberts and some of the incredible honorees that we've had at the ESPYs over the years will help preview tonight's show as well. Some of Stu Scott's best friends and co-SportsCenter anchors are going to join us over the course of the next four hours. So we have a ton to get to as far as the V Foundation auction goes and V Foundation Day and ESPYs Day here at ESPN. Canty and Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes building easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining motorcycle rv boat atv and more all your protection in one place bundle and save by going to progressive.com that is progressive.com swing and a high fly ball left field that one back that one way back there elias diaz a home run and the national league has taken a three two lead swing and a And it's a double play. Here's a 2-2. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. Kimbrell closes it out. And the National League wins it. Well, it was a heck of a couple of days for Major League Baseball in the city of Seattle. All-star game last night. Did you realize, Michelle, that the American League had won 12 straight All-Star games or what? Or no, I guess it was since 2012 they had won every one. But I looked at the numbers. It was 21 of the last 24 the American League had won. We get a National League winner 3-2 to two. last night. Uh, Elias Diaz of the Rockies, uh, sort of a no-name catcher that a lot of people didn't know, hit the game-winning two-run homer. Last night, and both you and I were unable to watch the All-Star game for a variety of reasons. Explain why you did not watch this live, Michelle. So I watched the Home Run Derby because that is must-see TV for me. And normally, Aaron, I would be locked into the All-Star game. This is our first time working with one another, but I'm a baseball girl through and through. So normally I would be locked into the All-Star game. But last night was an exception because I had to attend a surprise birthday party at, wait for it, 
Coney Island. I'm in New wow. York City, and I, <laughs> I had to go from Manhattan to Coney Island. We surprised my friend Curtis. We had a limo rented that took us out to Coney Island. So I was riding roller coasters a and didn't limo. get to watch <laughs> the All Star Game. So yeah, did you? Random. How many? How many coasters do you bother? I mean, I, I don't know that a roller coaster and I at this point in my life is a good combination. I'm so glad you brought that up because as a young girl. I loved a roller coaster. I loved going to Six Flags. It was one of the highlights of the summer. We sure. go to Coney Island. I go on two rides last night, Aaron. I went oh. on one, the traditional wooden roller coasters and then one of the more modern metal ones that flips you upside down. After yeah. the second one, I was like, this is a death trap. Oh, I, no. I just cheated death. This yeah. is not safe. I am not doing this again. I had a headache. I thought I might be concussed. My back <laughs> was being banged up against the, the seat because this is, an, this is a one size fits all. You know, it's built for a bigger person. I have scars today. I have a perhaps potential head trauma. Like I'm a Coney Island survivor. I don't think in adulthood we're, we're too smart as adults to be putting ourselves in these positions. I don't think I'm going to be going on yep. many roller coasters after that. So was there a lot of buzz and juice? Like you said the home run derby, like that you had to sit down and like you would not miss as a big baseball fan. So is it safe to say now that the home run derby is actually the highlight of the all-star week and it's not the all-star game itself? Like if you could have tickets to one, you'd rather go to the home run derby than the all-star game? Not even a question. The home run derby has really amplified in the past couple seasons to me. I love the timer. I love the sense of urgency. And it just feels like the coolest place to be. You have mm-hmm. all the stars in the game, whether they're competing in the derby or they're sitting on the sidelines. They've got the kids running around. They're all in awe of one another. They're hanging out. They're they're exchanging stories. The hats are backwards. It just feels like the, the most special place to be in sports. So I would it, definitely go to the home run derby. It's funny. It's not perfect but like i think i'll remember a year from now that vlad won and i'll definitely remember that julio rodriguez hit 41 home runs in a in a a, a timer session or whatever in a round i'll definitely remember that i don't know that i'll know elias diaz and i don't know that i'll know three to two and i don't know that i'll know that the national league beat the american league in part also because I kind of liked the home field advantage. I kind of liked that that was on the line because at least then there was some rooting interest that I had in the All-Star game. There were a couple cool catches and things that I saw in the highlights, but I get home. I took my wife out last night. We have two little kids, and last night was a night where we could get a babysitter, where we could go out, and we went to a little restaurant opening. (laughs) I got invited to because I'm such a big deal. Fancy. And um, so we get home. And I fire up the DVR and I'm like, oh, I get to, you know, come back, watch the All-Star game. Kids are asleep. Um, no, the uh, the DVR did not malfunction. My cable company dropped the local Fox affiliate in Cleveland. So oh, I recorded no. three and a half hours of a message on the screen about why Nexstar is great and DirecTV is evil or something. And I was like, <laughs> this is this is just brutal. This is awful. So I did see highlights but wh- I, I think it says something about uh, maybe how they need to reframe it. What could they have done to get both of us to not make alternate plans and to sit down and watch it like it was something that had to be seen? I don't really know if anything else can be done because I don't want the World se- home field advantage at the World Series to be on the line for an exhibition game. I don't. 
Mm. Um, I think that should be a carrot that's there during the regular season for players, not not in an all-star game. I just think all-star games in general across sports have lost a little bit of luster as the years have go- gone on because sure. these guys are preserving their bodies. They're they're playing yeah. for a championship. You know, they're they're so they're playing for contracts. There's so many other things that are at Load play. Load management. You yes, got it. that they're not going to give 120 percent. And like if if it was the biggest stars, every single one of the biggest stars in the game, and they're mm-hmm. competing at the highest level, then maybe we, you and I would be like, we cannot go to the restaurant opening, forget Coney Island, we have to be here to watch this. But I don't see that happening because of, of the ultimate goals that they have. A couple things. When I was a kid, the All-Star Game was a much bigger deal than it is now. And the Home Run Derby, too. I mean, those were things yeah. that I would like invite my friends over to the house to make root beer floats and watch. So some of this All-Star stuff, I think it's just not for us anymore. I think they're just directing it towards 12-year-olds, which is fine, you know, because some stuff should be for kids and not necessarily for the adults. I'll tell you one thing that would have excited me more about the game, though. I think the All-Star game has a problem in that the best players in the game are playing at the beginning, and then a bunch of guys that made Mm. it because you have to have one All-Star from every team or because they just happen to have a great first half— The guys that decide the game at the end of the game aren't the biggest stars of the game. So I would argue that the players you vote in shouldn't start. Those should be the guys that come in and play the eighth and ninth inning of the game that end up deciding it at the end. I mean, imagine if we had, I don't know, Otani on the mound, Otani at the play. Like that would have stopped me in my tracks and made me say, "Okay, I got to put this on immediately. What do you think? I agree with you, and I think that's a problem that baseball has as a whole, right? Like, if you're watching the Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes is likely going to get the ball in his hands to win the game. Like, the like the biggest star is likely going to get a chance to win the game. And that might not be the case in baseball based on the order and, and what's happening in the situation, you know? Um but would they, Aaron, would that really have been enough for you if you thought, oh, that Otani could win it in the bottom of the ninth? I better not take my wife on date oh, night maybe, to this uh, restaurant uh, opening. But, 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 but let, let me say this. <laughs> if, my, if I had my phone, if I had gotten a text message from a friend that said, OMG, you know, so and so versus Otani, I'm trying to think like what the ideal matchup versus Otani, like what National League pitcher would have, you know, Zach Gallen versus Otani with the all star game on the line. I would have, um, here's my move. I would have excused myself to the restroom. (laughs) I would have not gone to the restroom. I would have circled around to the bar, and I would have made sure that I didn't miss that one single at bat, that I didn't miss that single moment. Uh, Coming up, Saquon Barkley's availability for week one, apparently in serious question. If he doesn't reach a long-term deal with the Giants, We break this down next. I'm Aaron Goldhammer. She is Michelle Smallman. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. And we'll get to that after Michelle has this word from Indeed. If the July heat is making you sweat your staffing situation, then visit Indeed. Their end-to-end hiring solution is the number one source for hires in the U.S., according to Talent Nest. When you sponsor a job, you'll get matched instantly with candidates whose resumes on Indeed meet your job description. And you can even earn up to $500 in sponsored job credits when you conduct virtual interviews on the website. Terms and conditions apply. Get started at Indeed.com slash credit. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. 
Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. Could one of the best players in the Big Apple actually be off the field with a holdout this September? Welcome special SB Day edition Canty and Carlin. ESPN Radio, ESPN app. I'm Aaron Goldhammer. She is Michelle Smallman. V.org slash donate if you want to support the V Foundation today. It's V.org slash donate. Of course, more about Jimmy V and the ESPYs and all that coming up on today's show. But we got to talk a little NFL as training camps are on the horizon. And it really feels like the situation, Michelle, between Saquon Barkley and the Giants is just getting a little out of control here. It's getting a little sticky, Aaron, because you're you're in jeopardy of him not being able to be available week one against the Dallas Cowboys if he doesn't receive a long-term deal. Then you're having the Giants saying that we want him to be a Giant for his entire career. That's what the owner's saying. So what's the holdup then? I know what the holdup is. They don't want to pay a running back. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, obviously, this, this has to do with something that's going on at the core of the game which is it used to be one of the highest paid, sexiest positions to play. The stars, right? I mean, when I was growing up, it was Walter Payton, Emmett Smith, Barry Sanders. Like It was a who's who of superstars played this position. And now I think the Giants rightfully feel like you know they had to get Daniel Jones locked up, but that Saquon Barkley, even though he is an elite running back, is more replaceable than Daniel Jones is. And I don't... They have until Monday to reach a long-term deal, but Michelle, if they haven't done it yet, I kind of have a hard time believing that they're going to accomplish that. Then he's going to have to play on the tag and agree to come in. Ugh, like it, it, it feels like this is going to be very dramatic for the Giants over a long period of time, about a month from now. Maybe I'm jaded, Aaron, but I've, I've just seen so many holdouts in the NFL with contracts. I've even seen it with running backs, and they get it done before the season. It's yeah. like, this might be dramatic now, but are the Giants really, do you think, really going to start the season without Saquon Barkley? If he's really going to hold out come week one, do you think that they're not going to find a way to get it done and, and make it amenable to him so that he'll, he'll play? See, I wonder if you're asking that question the right way. I, I think that the Giants would go into week one without Saquon Barkley. I don't know that Saquon Barkley would go into week one without taking the tag money because I hate to say this, but the shelf life for these running backs is so short. He's mm-hmm. already dealt with season-ending injuries throughout his career. I just refuse to believe that he would like sit an entire seat. Le'Veon Bell tried this. He sat. How'd it work for him? He didn't get the money he wanted. 
And his career was never the same afterwards. So I think, to me, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the Giants have a lot of the leverage here. You're right. Twenty. He's 26 years old, Saquon is, and 26 years old as a running back is not the same. All 26-year-olds are not created the same. And 26 as a running back is, is certainly, old. It's, it's not... Uh, you're not in your prime if you're a 26-year-old running back. But I do think that he has leverage knowing that the Giants are a worse football team if he's not available to them. And if they really want to go out there and compete, that they better have him on the field. But you're right. He's also in a precarious position because what's really his value on the outside market? What's really your value as a 26-year-old running back that's had so many injuries? And you, you spoke about it, but I think it just speaks to... Yeah. where we are with the running back position in general. You're looking at a Saquon Barkley, a Christian McCaffrey, guys who are absolute game changers. They're not healthy. They can't stay healthy. Right. And and long term, if you're a team, do you want to commit a, a huge, significant portion of your of your money to that player in that position? I wouldn't. Thousand percent. And Dalvin Cook is what, like a top seven running back in the NFL? But whether you put him fourth or seventh, I mean, could you imagine a top seven quarterback it's the middle of July and they don't have a job. Can you imagine a top seven left tackle, pass rusher, safety, hell, even kicker? You know, if the top seven kicker is available, I feel like there are teams rushing to sign him. Here's what I would worry about if I was Saquon. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. I'm Aaron Goldhammer, Michelle Smallman with you. What I would worry about if I was Saquon is if I was a free agent right now, I don't, the deal I want from the Giants, I don't know that any team. Yeah. would be really willing to give it to me. What makes McCaffrey different is that he is an electric player in the passing game. He can almost pass himself off like he's one of these big-name, high-priced wide receivers. Well, Saquon Barkley's value is really like the size of his calves. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> be- it's between, the, and he has some impressive ones, but it's between the tackles running, and it's a part of the game that just isn't, you know, we've kind of evolved beyond it, I guess, is what I'm saying. Uh, back to your earlier point about the seventh best quarterback. They'd be the highest paid player and resetting the market. Yes. The seventh best quarterback. How many times have we had that conversation? That quarterback is getting paid how much money? But it's just the way that the market dictates it because quarterback is the most important currency in all sports. Yeah. I wonder, think about this. How many wins is Saquon Barkley worth above like... The average running back. Give me like, uh, you know, Alexander Madison or whatever. Like they're just the guy that's just sort of a run of the mill. They're available. Think about that while Lewis Riddick talks here, ESPN NFL analyst on ESPN radio, about the Giants trying to prove to Saquon that eh, like they don't even know if they really need him. As far as the Giants are concerned, what they're going to say is, hey, look, we're going to ride with Matt Breida. We're going to ride with Eric Gray and... If it just so happens that during OTAs, mini camp, training camp, preseason, and if we get into this first game of the season, it looks like once again we found a running back by committee and or a you know a running back who we have significantly less invested in. We find that that is something that we can still win with. It's going to be like, well, see, told you. I mean, this is just how teams think about this, and you hate it for Saquon, but we've seen this story play out like this many times before. I hear those names. I mean, Saquon is better than Matt Breida, that's for sure. I still think the way Daniel Jones plays is the most important factor in the Giants' season, though. 
Absolutely. But the Giants also finished fourth in the league in rushing last season. That was a huge part of their offensive attack. It's part of the reason that they were able to get to the playoffs for the first time since 2016. And I hate this, Aaron, for Saquon, because he's done everything that's asked of him. He's coming off a season with a career high in rushing yards. He was back in the Pro Bowl. After all of the injuries, he's able to come back and be the force that we expected him to be when he was drafted number two overall. And now we're talking about a running back by committee squad being as valuable as him. I just hate the way that that this is unfolding for him and the way that the running back position has has been devalued throughout the game. It's a special day for us here at ESPN. It is SB Day. V Foundation, of course, is the cause that we are supporting all day long, remembering the 30th anniversary of Jim Valvano's iconic speech. V.org slash donate. 100% of your donation goes directly to Game Changing Cancer Research. It's V.org slash donate. V.org slash donate. Up next, NFL picks the Jets to be on hard knocks. Is that good news or bad news for the Jets? Apparently, they're not happy about it. We'll explain. Canty and Carlin's on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Ah, little chumbawamba to honor Jimmy V on this SB Wednesday, Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Aaron Goldhammer. She is Ms. Michelle Smallman. I don't know why I'm having trouble saying your name. Michelle, it's a lot of L's. Michelle Smallman. Uh, you can donate now to support the V Foundation for Cancer Research. It's v.org slash donate, v.org slash donate. Coming up later in the show, Michelle and I are going to go toe-to-toe the loser donating to the V Foundation. So really, I mean, that's not that bad of a punishment. I think we're both maybe going to donate to the V Foundation. Anyway, <laughs> 100% of your donations go directly to game-changing cancer research. I was surprised that it had gotten to this late date, July 12th, July 13th, July 11th. We still had, didn't have a team for hard knocks. Adam Schefter reports earlier today, Sources saying the Jets are going to be forced into this. I don't know if that's a good idea, Michelle, or a bad idea. I think it's a great idea, Aaron, because what's the most entertaining storyline right now in the NFL? It's Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. He is leaving Green Bay after years and years of success. He wanted to go to New York, kind of forced his way there. He gets there and he's loving life. He's talking on psychedelic panels. He's he's a character and I want to see him acclimate to this new environment and I want to see what what he has to say. I don't really know if there's any other team out there that I would have more interest in watching and I don't know. Hard Knocks over the the past few years hasn't had the same sizzle to me, but this will bring me back. I will watch Aaron Rodgers and the Jets on Hard Knocks. It's interesting because I worry a little bit that they're just going to be super bland and boring in front of the cameras because organizationally, they frankly don't want the cameras there. I, I wonder whether Hard Knocks is going to embrace that. Like talk about the fact that the Jets don't want the cameras there, because from what I I heard earlier today from friends of mine in New York and 
around the team like Robert Sala's not happy about this. But the NFL passed this rule a couple years ago where if you don't have a new head coach, you haven't made the playoffs, you haven't been to the Super Bowl, there were a certain number of teams that they could force into it. The Jets obviously have an incumbent coach. And also they're just the Jets. They're just always some kind of dumpster fire. You know what? I'm going to give it one episode, Michelle, to see how it's going. If Aaron Rodgers is doing ayahuasca and it's getting <laughs> weird, then I'm totally in. But if it, I just worry about potentially, you know, the boring factor. And I, I think that this has been an issue with hard knocks in general over the course of the last few years. It just, it's a lot of the same beats and tropes year after year after year. They need to do something to mix it up. They do. And I think Aaron Rodgers is, is the thing that can do that. Um, they also have this new Netflix series, Quarterback, that is um, chronicling Patrick Mahomes and Marcus Mariota. It's, it's a Peyton Manning thing. So they've got competition in the football doc space. So I think that they kind of realize we need to have the most entertaining team and the most entertaining figure right now in the NFL be a part of this. But if I'm Robert Sala, I don't want these cameras in there either. I'm trying to get my team ready to play. I don't want any competitive advantages being broadcast on television. If I'm any NFL team, I don't want this stuff being put on national TV. But I think the difference in the Netflix special and what's happening with Hard Knocks is those quarterbacks signed up to do this. They are full participants. They're allowing these cameras into their lives, and they know that they're going to reveal certain things. Right. And they know Peyton Manning's behind it, so they feel comfortable. Whereas yeah. And this they have some the- editorial control. I Correct. Think. You know, Correct. If they don't want something on, they can I'm sure it. they do. Yeah. And whereas the Jets, like, you're, you're letting cameras into the sanctity of the locker room and into your training facilities and into a, a very... Um, delicate time when you're trying to get your team together to be ready to play during the regular season. And yep. I wouldn't want my cameras there either, but as a viewer, I certainly will watch because I want to see what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. I mean, let me guess. There's going to be some guy who's on the fringe of making the team <laughs> and he's going to get called into the office and he's going to get cut and he's not going to... Ma- then there's going to be a whole scene where the rookies have to sing. You know, they def- That's like a guaranteed every single season of Hard Knocks. We have one of those Do you think that there is a correlation between hard knocks and the team, the the way the season goes for the team, the team struggling or having a great year? Not necessarily. What, like a curse of hard knocks? Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm thinking, so the Lions did it last year. Uh, They actually ended up having a pretty darn good year, although they didn't get off to a great start. It just feels like nobody ever does hard knocks and then went, you know, goes and wins the Super Bowl. You know, it's just... It's not something you do. It's not something that happens to your team in a year where you're really competing for anything. And this is maybe the one time where, you know, there are people who feel like they're Super Bowl contender. Uh, I know the Ravens did it. I think the year after they won, if I'm not mistaken, was like the first year of hard knocks. SB Day today. More of Canty and Carlin is next. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Auntie and Carlin, the podcast.